there is widespread concern that some new variants of SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, appear to be more infectious than previous strains of the virus. Multiple variants of the virus have been documented globally during this pandemic, but scientists say that new variants identified in both the United Kingdom and South Africa appear to spread faster and are 40 to 70% more transmissible. To discuss these new variants, we have our Dr. Jaya Shrida, who will talk about them today. Welcome to this podcast, Dr. Jaya. Good morning. We are one year into the COVID-19 outbreak. Why are variants of the virus popping up now? Variants are the results of small mutations on the genetic makeup of the virus. So when a gene changes its sequence, let's say you have a sequence of A, B, C, and D on the genome of the virus, and it becomes A, C, D, and B. That's when a genetic sequence changes. You call it a mutation. And this new mutant form is called a variant. Now, um, this is something that viruses do all the time. They keep changing themselves in tiny ways as they move from generation to generation, producing new generations of viruses. So this is something that happens very naturally. The question really is, we should we be concerned about these variants? Well, we should if the variants are distinctly different from their ancestors in the way they behave and in the way that they look, which translates into behavior as well. So this is called a varying phenotype or a new different phenotype. So how could they be different? This genetic change could produce higher transmissibility in the way the virus infects cells and therefore is passed along in a faster way from human being to human being. Or once the virus gets into the body, it could that same quality of spreading faster from cell to cell could mean that the infection is very rapidly established within the body, making the person sicker faster. So this is why uh, there is so much interest in these new variants. Uh, to make a small distinction between a variant and a strain, when do you call a variant a strain? So it acquires strain status when these new qualities of the virus are sustained over many generations and they become the typical character of that new variant. Then you call it a strain. So essentially, it's a stable change. It's the new improved model of the virus, which is here to stay till the next kind of a mutation comes along. So it's a very stable phenotypic change, and that's when you call a variant a strain. But many of these little changes that the virus makes um, you know, on its genetic makeup, which produces lots of little viral variants, many of them don't have a major, uh, they are not a major concern to us, and so we shouldn't concern ourselves about them too much. But let's look at these new uh, variants that are in circulation right now that are seeming to spread faster than the other variants, and we don't know how many other variants are there, we are discovering these new variants because we're sequencing the gene, right? We're sequencing the genetic makeup of the virus. So those countries that are able to genetically sequence the virus are able to see that these uh, new uh, infections that they are seeing are different from the old ones. 
so the uh, i think the question is why are we seeing suddenly one kind of a viral variant receding and another one rising it could happen possibly because that of a chance event it's just called a founder event or a chance event we had a widely circulating sars cov2 called the d614 which because of a small change in its sequence became d614g it's essentially that a couple of uh, an amino acid switched positions right and that became a very very dominant strain because it was uh, shown to transmit quicker first in the laboratory scientists saw that it was spreading faster from cell to cell and now they're able to see that it was faster in animal models as well and so there's enough reason to believe yes it was a faster spreading form of the virus however there was also another thing which is that this kind of a mutation from the d614 to the d614g happened spontaneously in many different spots in china earlier on and they independently moved out into the global population and that's how it became a dominant strain so these were like chance events which established the d614g as a dominant strain so uh, there's we don't know whether it was really a very conscious adaptive change on the part of the virus and that's why we uh, should be careful before starting to get worried that the virus is getting more intelligent at combating our immune system firstly viruses mutate all the time secondly a lot of these mutations happen purely by chance and thirdly it's not always natural selection that predicates these viruses they experiment also viruses also experiment so uh, we don't have to get too panicky about these new variants till we get enough evidence to clearly understand that they are absolutely more transmissible and capable of forming uh, causing more disease in the human body there's uh, another uh, variant that i would just like to mention in this regard you might have heard about uh, the human to mink transmission there was one kind of a mutation which happened uh, called the n453y in the netherlands and denmark in uh, early summer of 2020 where you know strongly suggesting that the sars cov2 jumped from humans to minks in mink farms and uh, this is a little cause for concern this is a story to follow because it could mean that once it goes into an animal uh, uh, sort of a uh, into animals it could continue to sort of evolve over there and later on you could have more mutations and then you might have a reverse jump back from the mink to human beings and it could you know a second sort of a spillover event bringing with it a whole new set of different kinds of ways in which it could uh, you know propel uh, infections or cause disease in the body so that's something to follow these things do take time so that's just something to keep at the back of one's mind but now let's look at something called the 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 british variant and the south africa variant so here you have something called the b117 which is also sometimes called the 501y.v1 this is something which began spreading very rapidly in southeastern england and why people were talking about this a lot is because it had uh, a number of mutations not just randomly a couple here and there but this had about 17 different mutations and a lot of it happening on the spike protein which is the kind of key that the virus carries on its outer uh, shell which it uses to unlock the 
um, ACE2 receptors on human cells and infect them. So because these mutations were all clustered on that spike protein, uh, it's leading scientists to believe that maybe this was an adaptive phenomenon, that uh, someone who had a chronic long infection with SARS-CoV-2 infection, you know, someone with a chronic infection might have uh, given enough time and uh, pressure on that virus to create these mutations and adapt. And then that person spreading the virus to others would take would get this new modified improved version of SARS-CoV-2, which was capable of uh, infecting others faster and spreading infection more rapidly within the body. So this is more likely to be a sort of a adaptive uh, response to us, to the human host. So what does this mean for public health? If you think about that, it just means that we have to pay far more stringent attention to wearing our masks anytime we're out in the community, occasionally when we are in small gatherings as well or within the family that we might have to wash our hands uh, strictly and maintaining physical distancing as much as possible is another major challenge but this has to be done because we don't want to um, before we understand these new variants and new possibly strains that are evolving as we move along, we don't want to uh, keep propelling this kind of transmission in the community when we have these absolutely low tech tools which are within the reach of human beings that we can use in order to like reduce the selection or natural selective process on the virus. These new variants that uh, you've talked about, are they more transmissible and can they cause severe disease. First evidence that um, some of these variants spread faster from one cell to another was actually observed in the laboratory and which means it's happening in a test tube or a petri dish and that's what scientists have observed and that's a very preliminary step towards understanding transmissibility. Uh, the next thing is to actually confirm that this is happening between people in the natural setting. And there are many questions which are remain unanswered in that area. So just because one viral variant becomes more popularly established in a community doesn't mean that it's capable of spreading faster from person to person. That could be just one reason. That's a possibility, but it's a possibility that's yet to be confirmed. We talked about the other possibility that that same variant arose spontaneously in several sections of the population through several little founder events. And then that became the dominant strain, which is what happened with the D614G. So the short answer to your question is the jury is still out. But if it's settled that this new viral variant in Britain and in South Africa is capable of spreading from cell to cell much faster within the human body, countering our immune system and is able to make the disease process faster in the body, then it's cause for concern. So I, we have to wait for more evidence to understand about the individual transmission capability of these new strains. That is whether they are actually capable of spreading faster from one person to another. Thank you, Dr. Jaya. This podcast has been brought to you by Internews' Rooted in Trust project, funded by USAID.